1: 9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727 501 9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you.
2: Where can you find the best-tasting, authentic Caribbean food in Tampa Bay? It's all at Island Vibes Caribbean Restaurant in downtown Largo. Island Vibes has delicious jerk chicken, fresh seafood, Caribbean soup, salad, sandwiches, and more. Don't miss happy hour from 4 p.m. to close and live entertainment on Friday nights. Check out Island Vibes Caribbean Restaurant at 351 West Bay Drive in Largo or call 727-240-4420. To check out their amazing Caribbean menu, visit SweetIslandVibes.com.
1: Hey guys, this is Robert from Nostalgia Grading Cars, and you know I dig stuff out of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a shop in town specializing in vintage, retro, mid-century collectibles. Everything from toys, games, pinball machines, video games, fashion items, TV lunch boxes, slot cars, models, and more. Bobby, what's the name of that store? The The Cool Shop. Shop. Yes, located at 9265 Seminole Boulevard in Seminole, Florida. Give them a shout, 7265. Seven two zero one ninety four eighty nine the cool Shop.com
0: Ladies and gentlemen, from Los Angeles, California, the
2: Doors. See the Doors as they have never been seen before. You
0: know today this Doors are nice. Day
2: legendary music of The Doors, as it has never been heard before.
0: When you're strange, faces come out of the rain. When you're strange, no one remembers your name. When you're strange, when you're strange. The program for this evening is not new. You've seen this entertainment through and through. You've seen your birth, your life and death. You might recall all of the rest. Did you have a good world when you died? Enough to base a movie on?
2: As never before, in concert, on film, and behind the scenes, in an all-music video album of greatest hits and classic performances. The Doors, dance on fire.
0: Set the wayback machine. Yes, sir, Mr. Peabody. Hi, this is Tom Johnson of the Doobie Brothers, and you are rocking with nostalgic radio and cars.
1: Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, talk 1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studio. Happy New Year to everybody. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and... Bobby, you're better at that social media. Good evening, Bobby. How you doing?
2: Hey, how are you? Um, We're on Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, and Twitter basically merged now. So, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn, at NRC on Air, and at Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
1: Yeah, that's right. And uh, don't forget if you've missed any of our past shows, go to our website, Gulfstream and you can go to our podcast page and listen to our all our all listen to me. Eep, 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 eep. Listen to all our past shows. Three <laughs> hundred and thirty something, right, Bobby? And uh we're our six years and eight months in celebration.
2: It'll be another new year once you finish once someone were to finish finish listening to them.
1: Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. So anyway, Happy New Year to everybody. You know, this has been a pretty exciting year for uh, all of us, I guess. You know, I'm not going to say it's been the greatest business year or anything like that, but I'll tell you what, it's been uh, certainly exciting in the in the media world at any rate. And you know what? Nostalgia getting Cars, we were originally going to do just a kind of like a, a, a blah, 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 blah show, you know, for you guys. But uh, we got a really, really exciting guest for you coming on this evening that's uh, very well known in the music world. And uh, we kind of gave you guys a little bit of a hint... And, uh, so this gentleman will be coming on later. He's well known in the, uh, film producing world, TV world and, uh, and music producing world. So we're delighted to have him on the show this evening. And, you know, last week we had Jay Leno on, you know, which was a really nice treat and a nice surprise and a wonderful Christmas present, you know? And, uh, so we look forward to having him on, uh, you know, Hey, maybe for lucky, you know, a couple times a year. So, and he's a car guy and he likes talking about cars and he's friendly and, uh, and he's just, you know, really extremely knowledgeable you know so when you carry on a dialogue with a guy like Jay Leno you can talk about just about anything even if I bumble through it from time to time which I've been known to do but this guy you know I mean his car collection is it's it's estimated it is only a mere hundred cars and someone said once it's probably more than that because they've been in his garage and by the way we were invited to go there as well and uh, and his motorcycle collection I believe consists of also somewhere around a 100 vintage motorcycles and um so, but hey, you know I can tell you from experience. You know, somebody might say they got 50, 60 cars, but uh, they probably got more. And uh, I don't know a lot of guys really that are downsizing unless they're really, really up in age. Of course, speaking of cars and shows and auctions and all the other good stuff, in uh, the first week of January, January 6th through the 7th, our good friends at National Parts Depot is having their All Ford show, and uh, that they do every year at Silver Springs. And it's an annual event, and I would say there's probably over a thousand Ford-powered vehicles that will be there. So whether you got a Mustang, whether you got a Torino, whether you got a Thunderbird, whether you got a Triumph TR4A, which I saw a couple years ago that had a had a Ford motor in it, whether you got a Sunbeam Tiger, whether you got a Griffith, whether you got a Ford Capri, you know Mercury Capri, remember those back in the '70s? They were pretty cool cars. Came with a a four-cylinder and a six-cylinder. I actually had one for a while too. I had a little 2,300 in it. Pinto, if you got a Pinto, you know, you're welcome to bring your Pinto. Any of your late model cars, uh, all your 50s, 60s, 30s, 40s, even Model A's, Model T's, they'll all be there. Of course, our good friends up there, the Schmitz, which is MPD, will be sponsoring this event, and they'll have their cars up there. So it's a lot of fun. I believe it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. In the old days, the way they used to do it, I think it's just two days this time, but it used to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So what they would do is on one day, like on Friday night, they would have a little get-together and... uh, and everybody would just kind of hang out at NPD or something like that. They'd do a drive, a cruise, a dinner thing and whatnot. And then on Saturday, I think they just did all Fords. And then on Sunday, was all Mustangs or something like that. Or it was, you know, cars 1950 or 64 and older and then 65 and newer were the next day or something like that. So I think what they do now is they just do a Friday-Saturday deal. So we're looking forward to that. Also, that same weekend is the beginning of Mecum's auction. Now... I have a couple of radio show giveaway tickets, right, for the Meekum guys. So if someone wants to call in, the number here is 727 541. No, wait a minute, not that one. 727 441 3000. 727 441 3000. We have a set of tickets to give away. <laughs> And uh, so that'll be for the Mekam auction, which runs from the 6th of January, which is, I think, a Friday, and goes all the way to the 15th. So that's a long, that's a long week. And there's something like, I don't know, 3,000 cars so, you know, I think the admission now is 20 bucks to get in. It's at the, uh, where's it? It's at Osceola Heritage Park in Kissimmee, right, Bobby? That's right. Okay. So that's basically out in rodeo country out there east of Kissimmee, north of St. Cloud. Am I kind of roughly on the right bearings there, somewhere out there? east of? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So it's a little east, uh, about 20 miles east of uh, Disney World. Well, maybe not 20 miles, you know, 10, 15 miles. I know it seems like a 20-minute drive because there's a lot of stop-and-go traffic.
2: GPS.
1: Ah, yes, GPS, GPS. Okay. So at any rate, so that's uh, that's that week, and then the following week, the 13th through the 22nd starts one of my favorite events, the Scottsdale Collector Car Week, and of course that commences, 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 commence, commences. Commence Can commence, I think I'm saying right? What are these? One of those words. But it commences. It starts actually on Friday. There's some stuff going on. And Saturday, I think there's a car show in downtown Scottsdale. But the big thing that starts, the big kickoff event, is the Arizona Concourse, which starts on on Sunday. And then there's car shows, and then there's uh, no swap meets that week, but there's a lot of car shows and a lot of... You know, car get-togethers, open houses, and things like that. It's a lot of fun. If you've never been there, if you've never been there, you need to go. Now, the auctions that are going to be there. Our good friends Gooding will be there. That's Friday, Saturday. Worldwide Auctions is the new kid on the block. They, they're going to do their auction on Wednesday. Bonhams does their auction on Thursday. I believe that's right. Uh, Silvers does their auction, I think it's uh, Thursday, Friday, maybe Saturday, Russo starts our auction, I believe, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, of course, Barrett, I think, starts Wednesday or Tuesday. And if you've never been to Barrett-Jackson-Scottsdale, if you've never been to Barrett-Jackson-Scottsdale, you need to put that on your bucket list. Any other auction on the planet, in terms of excitement, in terms of celebrities, in terms of cars, in terms of the whole auction thing, I mean, it truly is. There was an article that was written many, many, many years ago, and I probably probably say this every year, and it's it, it kind of labels Barrett-Jackson as the greatest show on earth, and it truly is. It's just uh, that big. When you're in that giant tent, it's no longer a tent. It's a huge building. They're so successful that the—what the, the, uh, county is that, Bobby? Maricopa County, right? Yes. Okay, Maricopa County, city of Scottsdale, which, you know— uh, and Maricopa County is huge, right? But I think it goes all the way down to like Tucson or something like that. It's, it's a whole Phoenix area, Tempe, Mesa, everything. Glendale, Deer Valley. We don't have a stretch of land in Florida big enough to... It's as big as Florida. To, <laughs> I, you, yeah, we jokingly, we say that. But at any rate, and, uh, so that's, that is, is huge. But they built them a special building. You know, because they they have rodeos and the horse shows there. It was really started out as like horse world. It was under tents and stuff like that. And I can recall going back in the 80s when we used to get rain there. It would deluge, and the place would practically flood up. But you know what? Loyal car guys would still endure the weather, the rain, the cold, the wet feet. The I mean, they were literally running through the tents. Water would be running underneath the stage. That's how much water was there. It was pretty pretty incredible. That was in the late 80s. And uh, when I used to go there. Okay, so that's uh, definitely Scottsdale car week. Got to do that now. The Cavalino, which is the all Ferrari event, which takes place then at the uh, Breakers in Palm Beach and at Mar-a-Lago, the home of President Trump. I should say the uh, the, the vacation home of, of uh, President Trump. Okay, that's the Cavalino. Surf Expo. That's uh, we went to that a little bit earlier. That's also in the 26th through the 27th. And the Guitar Expo, which is also in Orlando, the 27th. 28th, 29th. Hey, we got some cool music for you. Here's a little uh Buffalo Springfield. Name of the song, Bobby? Something for what it's worth. Here. For what it's worth. Hey, you're tuning in to nostalgia William Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Ain't
0: exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Being wrong, nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Young people speaking their minds are getting so much resistance from behind. The time we stopped. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody, look what's going on. Songs and the caring inside. Mostly say, to for our side?" It's time we stop. stop. Hey, what's what outside
2: Ribs at you. where can you find the best tasting authentic Caribbean food in Tampa Bay it's all at Island Vibes Caribbean restaurant in downtown Largo Island Vibes has delicious jerk chicken fresh seafood, Caribbean soup salad, sandwiches and more don't miss happy hour from 4pm to close and live entertainment on Friday nights check out Island Vibes Caribbean restaurant at 351 West Bay Drive in Largo or call 727-240-4420 to check out their amazing Caribbean menu visit SweetIslandVibes.com
1: Hey guys, this is Robert from Nostalgia creating Cars, and you know I dig stuff out of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a shop in town specializing in vintage, retro, mid-century collectibles. Everything from toys, games, pinball machines, video games, fashion items, TV lunch boxes, slot cars, models, and more. Bobby, what's the name of that store? The, the Cool shop. shop! Yes, located at 9265 Summoner Boulevard in Seminole, Florida. Give them a shout, 727-201- 9489. The Coolshop.com.
3: Cool Hi, this is Nick Mason from Pink Floyd, you so and you're listening to Nostalgic awesome. Radio oh and
1: Cars. Goodness. Okay, we're back, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio cars. and Cars. Don't forget, every Wednesday night between 6.30 and 9.30 p.m. at the Island Vibes Restaurant over in downtown Largo on West Bay Drive, it's open mic night. Bring your guitar, bring your harmonica, bring your saxophone, bring your body, bring a lot of ambition and a lot of talent, and it's open mic night where you get to be the talent. And since we're on a music thing this evening, that uh, was a liner from Nick Mason that was done a few years ago when we were out at uh, Pebble Beach. That's another place you need to put on your web, on your web, on your we, 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 on your bucket list. We put it on our website. Yeah, we put it on our website. Yeah, you guys got to put it on your bucket list. But the, you know, g- getting back to that, you know, now, now all these events I just talked about—the MPD thing, the Silver Springs, the Meckham Auctions, Scottsdale Car Week, the Cavallino, the Surf Expo—which is kind of cool if you're into water sports and and all that kind of stuff um that's definitely where you want to go check that out it's at the convention center in orlando and of course the guitar expo we were that last year if you're into musical instruments like guitars and stuff like that which is predominantly predominantly here i go tripping over my words again okay so in case you just tuned in i that's whenever i trip over my words and i can't say things right i always just kind of like do that you know it's kind of like my uh my own private little um personal sound effect there but anyway so the guitar expo was kind of cool because uh there's some local guys here that'll show up. There's people from all over the state in the Southeast that show up at that particular event. Now this is not just a, uh, uh, you know, they have guitar expos around the country, but this is the biggest one in the Southeast. And, uh, so Morty does this one and we'll have Morty on probably in a couple weeks. And he'll be talking a little bit about the guitar expo again. And it was pretty cool because they had a lot of really neat, vintage stuff. So if you're into, and I'm primarily a Fender guy, but I, and I'm not a very good guitarist, but I like guitars and, um, and and I like Gibson's and, um, of course, one of my favorite Gibsons is a Gibson SG, which has been played by most noted artists such as Robbie Krieger of The Doors, Frank Zappa, Tony Iommi from uh, Black Sabbath, um, the early days of Carlos Santana, ACDC, lead guitarist, and uh, uh, Derek Drux, He uses a SG, which is really a beautiful, beautiful guitar. And uh, Gibsons have basically glued on necks. That was uh, their, their trademark. has a little bit of a different sound. They use uh, P90s and then later used humbuckers, which are dual um, uh, wound pickups. And then, of course, Fenders, as most notably, is the ones that I use are like Fender Mustangs, which is kind of cool, which was like a student guitar out of the 60s named after the car. And they made the Music Master, the Bronco, and so on. That was their entry level. And then, of course, they came out with the. Um, with the uh, Strat, which Eric Clapton and Jimi Hendrix made famous. Now, I think we've got our guests on the line, so what we're going to do is I'm going to pipe down for a few minutes. We're going to play a little uh, music and then a little movie clip, and then we're going to introduce our guests. We're going to have some really, really interesting dialogue a little bit later. So, uh, don't touch the dial. You're tuning in to Nostalgic Waiting Cars. We'll be right back.
0: Unto them, a miracle.
2: <laughs> this spring. What is that gadget? This is an iPhone. iPhone. Uh huh.
0: Hello. Hello. There's nobody there.
2: Get some moles.
0: Spread out.
2: <laughs> Mind your P's and
0: Q's. Don't forget to dot the i's. <laughs> 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 No, I don't. How oh, about now? Yeah, it's coming on. And Curly.
3: <laughs> I'm
0: gonna hey, guys.
3: Yeah.
0: Oh, hi, your sister Bernice.
3: Just something different about you. Did you get a
2: haircut?
0: From 20th Century Fox. Oh.
2: You got any dynamite? <laughs>
0: Oh, ah, ah, ah. The Three Stooges. Hiya, Snook. I got your present. Really? Yeah, go on, open it.
2: Okay.
3: Ow! <laughs> Hi, I'm Pat Simmons from the Doobie Brothers, oh. and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and
1: Cars. Okay, we're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgia Vintage Cars. Yes, and uh, so we played a little clip there from uh, the Three Stooges, and of course, one of my favorite bands, The Doors. Now, I'm delighted to welcome to the show a gentleman that's got uh, a very, very interesting background. He's a film producer, a TV producer. He's involved with a lot of music production. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, George Page. George, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you? Pretty good. Well, I'm delighted you could join us this evening. Happy New Year to you.
3: Happy New Year to you, and thank you for that introduction. Between Moonlight Drive, The Doors, and The Three Stooges, I felt uh, very welcome. Thank you. <laughs> you must have looked at my credits or my bio, right?
1: Absolutely, and I'll tell you what. There's uh, we at the very beginning of the show, we did uh we played, um, and we typically tailor the show t- around the guests a little bit. So at the beginning of the show, we played Dance on Dance on Fire. Is that what it was, Bobby? Uh, what was the thing? we Yes, played? that yeah. was the clip we played. The clip, and I guess there was a movie that you did, kind of a documentary. Uh-huh. And um, and uh, and it's about uh, legends of Laurel Canyon, kind of like thing. So I'd like you to elaborate a little bit on that because we're huge Doors fans, obviously, and, uh, and we played a lot of their music on here. And uh, um, and, and and Robert Krieger is probably one of the best guitarists. I mean, the, and just the Doors, if you think about it, it, was just three guys, three outstanding musicians, you know, and uh, they just did they just did a great job, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, and and with and then with Jim Morrison, you know. As a singer, so I mean, they—that was just an outstanding band. But go ahead, and elaborate on that on that on that documentary a little bit.
3: Well, it's interesting. I, I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm also a big Doors. Obviously, always was a big Doors fan, and and, uh, music was a an important important part of of growing up for me, and uh, as it was for all of us, it was the soundtrack of my life. And uh, so, I, I actually was a college instructor at the University of Vermont part time, and a full time ski instructor in Vermont in a ski resort called Sugarbush. And uh, prior to that, I was a, a college instructor at Salem State University, uh, teaching educational media. And then I moved. Uh, then on weekends, I would go up and, and uh, ski Vermont, and I fell in love with Vermont. And I, so I just following year, I I quit uh, the university and I, I moved up full time as a full time ski instructor. And then I got a part time job as uh, as a college teacher at the University of Vermont. And uh, and used to hang out with my buddies over at uh, a bar in Sugarbush called the Bluetooth, which is no longer there, I understand. And then the one night they came to me, and they said, you know what, there's a, uh, we're opening up. They just hired us. as a local band. We're opening up for Johnny winter at, uh, at the college. And, uh, you want to help us out and, uh, yeah, I help carry equipment. And I said, sure. So I, I helped these guys move equipment and, uh, and uh, and we got to the, you know we got to the concert, to set up all the equipment, and uh, the auditorium was full, and uh, and and the sound guy was having a hard time, could get the sound system going, and Johnny Winter's road manager was freaking out, and said uh, uh, and and was yelling at his sound guy and saying, look, you know we're gonna we're gonna have a riot here if we don't get this thing going, and so I walked up to him and I said, could I help out? And he said, who are you? And, you know, Kid, yeah, if you, can hit, if you can save the night, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I knew nothing about sound equipment. And uh, I did what I did at home with my stereo. If it doesn't work, I started the plug. So I went, I started the plug, and I followed the long cord, industrial cord, and suddenly I found that the extension cords weren't plugged in. I plugged them in backstage, suddenly the whole sound system kicked in, And uh, I saved the night. The guy came up to me and asked me what I did for a living. I said, I teach at the university. And he says, Why don't you, you want to go on the road with Johnny Winter? And I said, Hell yeah. So I went on the road with Johnny Winter as a sound man. They fired a sound man, hired me as a sound man. I quit my job at the university. Next minute, I was in the music business. And then I went on to uh, record with, I became road manager for Johnny, for Edgar Winter's White Trash with Rick Derringer in New York City. And and then after several months of that, they fired me. not uh, right here, I had a master's degree, former college instructor. I was a roadie for uh, Johnny Winter, and they fired me because at 3 o'clock in the morning, all the women, girlfriends of the band members, wanted me to go out to New York City and buy them cigarettes. And uh, I, gave, I guess I rolled my eyes, and the girls got mad at me. And they had me fired. So I went back to Vermont, and, um, and then uh, I met a Hollywood producer. And uh, he said, look, why don't you move to New York and represent my company? And uh, so I left the university a second time, moved to New York, back to New York City, where i had just been fired, you know, the year before by Johnny Winter's people. And uh, and I became a representative of a Hollywood production company, having no idea what I was doing. And they said, look, you got to develop ideas. you got to develop ideas for us. And I I went to Showtime and HBO, all these networks, and... And they introduced myself and, you know, just pretended that I knew what I was talking about and, and uh, started, you know, generating some business. And, but I needed a production. I needed something to really make a name for myself and that would really help me to step up. And, and of course, I was a music aficionado. I loved The Doors. So I tracked down a guy named Ben Edmonds, who was a big-time rock writer at the time, and, and, uh, and Ben was managing The Doors. So I said, listen, I want to do a retrospective, a documentary on my favorite band. And uh, he, he said, well, that's a great idea. Let me talk to the guys. came back to me and he said no. They, they all said no. And uh, I said, well, why? They said, well, you need to option the rights. And I said, well, I don't have any money to do that. And he said, no, then you can't do it. So I, 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 I persisted, I persisted, and I came up with ideas how to do it. And then finally, after months of wrangling, I think they said, yes, just to shut me up and get me out of their hair. And and uh, next minute, I signed a contract, you know, with the Doors to produce this retrospective. And um, so I I, I sold it to Universal uh, Pictures, uh, Home Entertainment. Uh, and the, the head of uh, programming there was uh, a woman who used to work for Billboard magazines. so she was really savvy. And by the way, i had take it to every studio, every network, and they, everybody had turned me down. I couldn't sell it. I'd... Here, I sold the Doors on the idea, but I couldn't sell it to the mainstream media. Nobody said the Doors, you know, those guys, Lizard King, Jim Morrison died of a drug overdose. Nah, we don't want to do it. But here, this woman who who knew rock and roll said yes, and we went into production. So I flew from New York and I came to California. I was going to be here for like six months. And uh, rather than put me up in a hotel and pay the cost of that, I moved into John Densmore's garage. He had a little apartment <laughs> in Brentwood. His mansion used to be, uh, oh, was house? I think it was Neil Young's uh, manager's house before that beautiful swimming pool, incredible mansion in, uh, in Brentwood, California. And I moved into, into John <laughs> John's guest house. And for the six months, I produced The, the Doors. Life story, and um, and they had these incredible archives uh, that no one had ever gone into before. You know, all the footage that they had accumulated over the years, and I dove into those archives, and uh, because we wanted rare, never before seen footage of the Doors, and I found this treasure trove of footage that no one had ever seen before. Of I mean, Jim Morrison was a, a filmmaker at UCLA and had done a student film and. And he was—we he, just run around with a camera while he was in college, and so we had all this footage. And then I, then we—I wanted more rare footage, so I put a, an ad in Rolling Stone magazine, and I was saying, "Look, I'm George Page. I'm producing a documentary on the Doors. If anybody, any fans out there, has any footage at all, you know, please contact me." And I got a phone call from a guy in Connecticut, and he says, "You know what? I was at the concert in Connecticut." when Jim Morrison was busted by the police for profanity. And he saw an eight millimeter camera and I filmed it. I said, Oh my God. So he sent sent me a copy of it and it was extraordinary. It was historical footage. It was the first time a rock and roll star had been busted you know, on stage and for profanity. And it was filmed. And here's the footage of Jim Morrison center stage, microphone in hand. Two uniformed policemen come up behind him, stand there at attention, and he looks like, looks at them. They take the microphone out of, out of his hand. They lift him up by the elbows, and they carry him off the stage. And so when we finished the documentary, people saw that footage, and they were just amazed. It was incredible stuff. Rare, never-before-seen before seen footage of the doors. And that launched my career. Uh, I got to love California. Um we during the production, I had uh, sent five minutes of that footage to uh, to HBO and Cinemax, and, and they gave me a whole bunch of money for it. So we were in we were in profit before the f- the film was finished. And so everybody was approaching me, including Motown, Barry Gordy, Suzanne DePasse. and and right after the Doors, I w- I went back to New York City. Suddenly, I'm contacted by. Motown Records by Barry Gordy and and uh, all these head, head people at, at uh, Motown. And they said, can you do for us what you did for the Doors? And they flew me out to California. And, uh, and I ended up, uh, you know, getting this gig of doing, being able to chronicle the entire history of Motown Records for television. But at the end of it, they said to me, but, oh, we have one problem. Uh, what's that problem? And they said you have to deliver Michael Jackson Now this was in, Michael Jackson was, was 28 years old, 27 years old at the time and this was before all the controversy that went down on him and uh, he was the biggest star in the world. He was bigger than Elvis or as big as Elvis or nobody could be as big as Elvis but he was the biggest entertainer in the world. and I said how uh, again, I'm a ski instructor uh, 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 how am I going to deliver Michael Jackson? Why can't you? You're Motown. You managed him. How can you? How how come you don't deliver Michael Jackson? And they said, Well, we just went to him for a favor for Motown 25, and and we, you know, we begged him to do it, and he finally agreed to do it. We can't go back to him for a second favor. We use our all our favors up. So by coincidence, my attorney, who happened to be the Doors attorney, and they beat me up on the deal. My, my lawyers, in, I used lawyers in New York for the Doors deal. And the Doors attorneys, John Branca, they were so good. They beat me up so much. But when I came to California, I hired them as my attorneys. <laughs> and uh, so I went to John Branca, and I said, John, I got this series. I got a millions of dollars in, in production here, but I have to deliver Michael. So he said, well, let me talk to Michael. So I get a phone call back the next day. I'm in my I'm in this office at Motown, and the secretary starts screaming, and they said Michael Jackson's on the phone. Michael Jackson's on the phone, and I pick up the phone. And I say hello, and I heard this voice. Hello, George. I said yes. This is Michael Jackson. I, I said oh okay. He says I can't do it. I said why not? He says I'm too young. He said, when you do a retrospective, like Jim Morrison, he's dead. And that I understand. He said, I'm 27 years old. I've got my whole life in front of me. I can't do a retrospective of my life. I said, but Michael, you've done more in these 27 years than any artist would do in their entire lifetime. I said, you've accomplished so much. I said, I couldn't put... I'm going to have a hard time putting what you've done in these 27 years into a film, let alone your entire life. So I... Why don't we do it? He says, let me think about it. And so I was ready to go back to New York. Everything was just a disaster. And I get a phone call the next day. And the secretaries are screaming, it's Michael Jackson on the phone again. And I pick up the phone. And he said, George? He said, this is Michael Jackson. I said, I know, I know. And he said, I'll do it on one condition. I said, what? That you use my title. I said, okay, what's the title? And he said, Michael Jackson, the legend continues, dot, dot, dot. That way, in 25 years, when I'm in my 50s, we can get together again and we can do the rest of my life story. And done. So I rented a little house on the beach in Malibu. I moved to California. And uh, I started producing the Motown and Showtime series. And uh, and Michael was such a perfectionist, such a perfectionist. And this is 1987, 86, 87. And he said, someday people at their home, in their home, will be able to stop pictures, and you'll be able to study, look at every frame by frame. So he's, I want you to take out all the close-ups of me in all my music videos. And all the medium shots and all the close-ups. I don't want people to see my face up close. That was because that was before he had colored his face, before he had some plastic surgery. You know, he uh, he looked different. And I told him, "You can't do that." I, what am I going to replace? What am I going to replace the, that footage with? I can't. Music videos are cut to the music. That footage. He said, and I learned right there then. You never ever said say no to Michael Jackson. And he looked at me. He says. You'll figure it out. And we did. We figured it out. And that production, which which was supposed to take place for six months, it took me two years almost. So two years living on the beach in Malibu, right on the sand. At the end of that, (laughs) I never went back to New York, and I've been in Malibu ever since. And I became close friends with the Doors, Robbie Krieger and Ray Manzarek and John Densmore, Danny Sugarman, and uh, John Brank, of course, their attorneys and everybody. And and so that was my first introduction. And by the way, when we when we went into those archives, I, we found these concerts that were filmed that had never been released before, including Jim Morrison and the Doors when they came after their first album. They toured the country and they came back as superstars. And the first place they did in homage to Los Angeles was they played the Hollywood Bowl. And that's the famous night and you could you've seen it you know any door fans have probably seen this footage i found that footage boiling away you know the, you know the celluloid in their warehouse before we had it all transferred that was when jim morrison at his finest in his prime i think he was doing the end and uh, and the band's behind him of course and and uh, the lights are down low and then jim with music playing in the background, Jim screams out, Hey, Mr. Lightman! Turn those lights down! Turn those lights down! And you hear Ray Manzarek scream out from behind the organ, Jim, we're filming! <laughs> 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 and Jim looks straight ahead to the camera and says, Okay. And he proceeds to do one of the greatest renditions of the end of all time. So... That was my beginning of uh, music. That was the beginning of uh, this little college t- teacher, you know, living in the remotest part of uh, the United States, swearing that I'd never—I'd live and die in Vermont. Ended up uh, on the beach in Malibu, producing The Doors, and Robbie Krieger and I have remained friends all these years, and uh, and Ray up until his death, and and uh, and now Robbie and I are, are working on, on various projects together. And more importantly the most important of all is that uh, we're doing this project art for a cause which you know about
1: mm-hmm. yeah tell elaborate a little bit on that because uh, what a lot of people don't know besides being a great musician uh, Robert Krieger's an artist
3: yeah yeah he is he yeah he's uh, his mother was an artist you know his mother taught him all the basics when he was young and um, and then you know after he you know became famous on the doors and after Jim's passing you know, uh, uh, Robbie just found himself gravitated back to art. And, uh, and you know, he one of his first paintings was inspired by the song, and, and it's titled Light My Fire. And the interesting thing about it is that, you know, people, a lot of people don't understand this, but Jim Morrison was an incredible man, obviously. Not only as a musician, but when the band first formed, everything was centered, I uh, was always centered around Jim. And Jim, it was Jim's lyrics. In fact, you played Moonlight Drive. It was the lyrics to Moonlight Drive that really inspired the band members to say, "My God, this guy has something," because those lyrics are just earth-shattering. Especially if you're from California, and it makes a lot of sense. It's it's really an homage to California and driving along Pacific Coast Highway. So. Jim Morrison said to everybody, "The, the real money in, in music and rock and roll is in publishing. He who writes songs, you know, has makes the most money." Um, and so Jim said, "He all the lyrics, all the songs were written by Jim." And uh, but Jim split the publishing between all four band members. Even when at the very beginning, when people said, "Yeah, you got to drop these guys. You go, you know, you're the Jim Morrison show," he said, "No, we're the Doors." So Jim. Divided up the music publishing between all four guys. And no one had written any songs except for Jim. So Re- R- Robbie went to Jim and said, Jim, I never wrote a song before. What do I do? How do you write a song? He said, well, think of something universal. Think of a universal theme. Something that 50 years from now people will will still relate to. So Robbie went home and he thought of the elements. You know, well, there's, there's wind there's fire, there's water, wait a minute, fire? And that's where he ended up writing Light My Fire, which was, you know, their signature song. And in 1967, it hit the, the billboard charts, and it beat out, there, there were two other Beatles songs on the charts, Stevie Wonder, I mean, it was amazing. And Light My Fire remained on the charts for, for several weeks, and, and that was their biggest success, and that was written by Robbie. And after that, Robbie went on to write most of the hit, big hits. People don't realize this, but Robbie Krieger wrote most of the hits of The Doors, a lot with Jim's lyrics, and some some totally on his own. Uh, Light My Fire, A Crystal Ship, Love Me Two Times, Spanish Caravan. Uh, the list goes on and on. And so Robbie did this painting, Light My Fire. And when I saw it, oh my God, I, I flipped. Such a beautiful, it just pops i love paintings with color and so I, I asked robbie if it was for sale he says, no this is this this painting means too much to me it's not for sale and he keeps it in his recording studio he had just built a beautiful very expensive private recording studio by the way using michael jackson's mixing board that he and quincy jones did uh thriller on
1: oh wow uh, yeah. what a piece of history
3: oh yeah that board is amazing they used that for mixing and and that that studio comprises both digital and audio, old school, new school, and it's an amazing facility, and, and uh, it's used for television, film, you know, composing, and as well as recording. So the the original painting is in Robbie's uh, studio, and um, called Hor- the name of the studio is called Horse Latitudes. So so I we proposed that we talked to Robbie about why don't we. If you don't want to sell the original painting, why don't we do Giclee copies of it, limited editions? And the, the editions are uh, 1,967 of each format. One is on canvas, Giclee on canvas, and the other one is is on uh, archival uh, rag paper. And uh, 1,967 uh, relates to the year 1967, the Light My Fire was number one on the charts. So what we're doing right now, we're offering this painting to charities. Robbie is a huge philanthropist. I mean, he works with St. Jude's Children's Hospital. He's he does the Love Ride, you know, for uh, uh, for charity year after year with Harley Davidson, and uh, he contributes to a lot of charities. So we said, look, working with your your charitable side, why don't we offer this to charities? They can offer it to their patrons, and we can split the profits with them, and uh, and a portion of the profits. Uh, goes to, from Robbie's side goes to uh, his charity, and uh, and the other profits go to uh, uh, to the participating charity. So it's become a real opportunity for for uh, for nonprofits around the country, you know, to really make money for their charity, you know, through uh, their patrons' love of the doors and this beautiful painting, Light My Fire. So the name of the company is the Art for Clause. Cause. Um, you know, and uh, it's you can go to our website is www.robbykriegerart. dot com, and uh, you can find out how how you can uh, you could purchase this, and it's all for good cause. So,
1: wow, that's great. We got yeah. a couple minutes left. You were also telling me that what Robbie Krieger does, and 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 those of us that are musicians, I, I don't read notes very well, and I certainly can't write music. But you said Robbie Krieger basically is doesn't really. Uh, Reed knows, but he plays by ear and he actually teaches, help teaches young students um, how to play guitar by ear, basically.
3: Yeah, you know what uh, you know you know so the portion of the profits for Art for a Cause, for Light My Fire, the painting, uh, these Giclee limited editions go to his organization, which um, you know Robbie never you know he, he he studied a little bit of music when he was younger and he took some lessons, but really he's a, a self learned guitar player, a musician. And um, and he's extraordinary. You know, you, his finger style of, play, of playing is, is is really remarkable. And uh, so he um, so he, he has a foundation now that uh, that teaches high school kids. It, what they do is they just put instruments in their hands. Here, here's the, what do you want? A guitar, saxophone, trumpet, and kids. I think guitar, guitar and another one. I love trumpet, and they just get in there with you know professional musicians and they play. What they don't try to teach music. You know, it, that's sometimes just a, a little bit much for for a lot of you know everyday kids. And they really don't want to get into the whole you know science of uh, of, of uh, music uh, of reading music. So they really teach them how to play by feel. And uh, and and it's been uh, it's been very it, it's just starting off, but so far it's it's giving really promising signs. A lot of kids who just love music and and uh, are intimidated by you know learning how to how to read music? They just start playing, strumming, and and uh, it it it's amazing what happens. You know, three or four out of uh, out of ten just pick it up immediately, and and it seems like more people have a gift for music than they ever imagined. And it comes from simply picking up an instrument and playing with it.
1: Well, what's real, real important, and I'm finding this out myself again here at my ripe old age, is it's practice practice, and in, in in and you have to have an ear, just like you said. And and that's kind of what he, that's his philosophy. And I'm amazed at how many people, if you look back, I mean, amazing musicians, Eric Clapton, uh, Jeff Beck, uh, Jimi Hendrix, all those musicians, they all started playing just because they listened to rock and roll or, uh, you know, jazz, blues out of the 50s and just started practice, and they developed an ear for it. And they just, they may have taken a lesson or two, but the rest of it's all practice, practice, practice.
3: Yeah, well, you know what? It's, there's a band in your area, by the way. Uh, they're called the Sean Page Band. My nephew. Really? And he's Yeah, he's in Safety Harbor. Is that near you?
1: Yes, it's, it's five miles away. No kidding. Get out of here. Are you yes, serious? yes, yes.
3: Safety Harbor? Oh, my God. So sh- my nephew, Sean Page, it's called the Sean Page Band. Yeah. He's the same way. He just picked up a guitar when he was a young kid, and he just started playing. And, you know, he found something in his soul. In his heart, that that he just like learned how to play on his own, and he can't read a stitch of music, you know, barely. And he comes from a Robbie Robbie Krieger school of learning. Wow! And he's developed this great uh, following in your area, I understand. And uh, I see him on Facebook all the time. And I got to get down there and see you guys. Yes. And uh, I, because I used to live in Treasure Island, you know, years
1: ago. That's down the street. And now get out of here, really. Yeah, that's like uh, five miles south of us.
3: Oh my goodness. Ten miles. You know, yeah. So right after college, before I don't know, I forget. But one summer I went down, down to uh, Treasure Island, and there was a place called Sunset. Uh, Sunset Beach. Uh, Sunset Beach. Yep. So I lived on Sunrise Avenue. Oh, you're kidding! And, and, and so everybody I knew on the planet, I would send postcards. George Page, da, 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 Sunrise Avenue, Sunset Beach, Treasure Island, Florida. All they had to do was see that address and say he's in paradise.
1: That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Well, George, I'll tell you what, we're just about up against the clock here, but I'll tell you what, when you do come to Florida, give me an advance notice, because what we'll do, we'll just bring you live into the studio, and you can tell all kinds of stories. Would you be willing to do that?
3: I'd love to do that. I I have a million stories. Excellent. I'm a lucky guy for the experiences I've had in in rock and roll, and and all the movies and everything I do right now. Music is a big, big component of everything I do. Robbie is uh, composing music for several of my movies. And uh, so, yeah, I'd be loved. I'd love to come down there and talk to you guys All right. some more and, and relate some of my experience.
1: Great, and be sure and tell your nephew to get a hold of us. Okay. I,
3: I will. I'll put him in touch with
1: you. Okay, super. Now, I'm sure you know that our closing song here. This, has got, this is one of my favorites. But anyway, <laughs> the doors break on through to the other side. George, I want to thank you very much for taking some time out. And, uh, you know this. And, and again, Happy New Year to you. Let's definitely thank stay you. in touch. I want to thank my special guest this evening, George Page, film producer, TV producer, music producer. George, thank you very much for coming on the show tonight. I want all my listeners to have a great, great, great New Year. Be sure to See check man. out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook all that other good stuff and we'll see you at some of the car shows in the meantime everybody stay safe drive carefully love your family and happy new year take care George thank you very much
0: Mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a feller in there who'll pay you ten dollars if you sing into his can.
3: Downtown Dave.
0: I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker.
3: They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. See ya.